Welcome back to the Just of It podcast, or welcome if you are new. I am your host, Jess Noretto. And today's episode is one that is coming at you guys from a place of vulnerability. Uh, it's coming um, with lots of thought and prayer <laughs> um, because it's a very uh, delicate subject for me. Uh, it's a very personal subject for me. And I debated going back and forth between whether or not I should share, whether or not anybody would care. Um, and then I realized that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I thought, well, if there's ever a time to put out this episode, it's in the month of May. So <laughs> um, today we are going to be talking about my drunken diaries. And uh, basically, we're going to be digging through the archives of my brain and I'll be sharing some of my most embarrassing drunken moments with you. But also I want to share what I learned from them and how they ultimately changed my relationship with alcohol. Uh, this is something that I have never really opened up about before and I've only ever really talked to my husband or and my therapist about this. Um, it's just, it's kind of been a little bit hard to commit to a label, you know, like I feel like once you label, label yourself as something, you kind of have to live by that label. And I just wasn't ready um, until I came across a podcast where somebody was talking about their experience. And I thought, that's what I feel. And it kind of um, gave me like the confidence boost to share my story because I think everybody has a story to tell. So we are going to be skipping through the Seriously Just segment of the episode just because I don't have something to share today. And um, yeah, I just really want to dive into the nitty gritty. So here we go. So when I was a kid and I was growing up, um, I mean, obviously, like my my adult relatives, you know, they would drink and they would hang out and they would party. And my, my dad um, is the oldest of his siblings. And this is what my understanding of this was. It could be totally wrong. But uh, when I was a kid, we had our um, garage set up as like a nightclub. At least that's what I thought a nightclub was. Like we had a bar there and one of my dad's friends was a DJ. So he would come over and, and play music and um, my dad's friends and his sisters and, you know, like friends and stuff would come over and it would be like a club. And I thought it was so cool. Like that nightlife to me was so cool. And I just didn't understand that um, real clubs existed or anything like that. It was just to me, this was this thing that happened in our home. And it was, it, like I said, it was so cool. Um, I could not wait to be old enough to drink. Not, not for any reason other than the coolest people in my life would drink. And I was like, I can't wait to reach that level of adulthood where I can just drink. So that was always kind of like the way I measured how sophisticated you could be or how cool you could be or how fancy you could be when, you know, when you drink. And I, when I was growing up, my grandma's 
would tell me things like, Mija, no se ve bonita que una mujer tome. Basically meaning, it doesn't look cute when a girl drinks. And God, you just have to tell me I can't do something because I'm a girl or I should do something because I'm a girl. And I'm just going to do the total opposite. Like, don't ever tell me you can't because of being a girl or you should because you're a girl. That's just not the right way to get me to do something. So best believe when I turned 21, I was like, heck yeah, I can finally start drinking. And I think it's important to note also that obviously this wasn't done on purpose, just life. But when I turned 21, I was in the middle of going through my first real breakup, my first real heartbreak. And when you're that young and you believe that the person you're with is the person you're going to marry and the person you're going to build a life with, and you just, when it's that first love and it ends, it really, it really is this like earth shattering thing. And you look back 10 years later and you're like, what was I thinking? I was so silly, but in the moment, it really feels like the hardest thing you're going through. And at the same time, I turned 21. So I had said to my dad, now that I'm 21, I can't wait to go to bars and I can't wait to go to clubs. And by the time I turn 22, I want to say that I've tasted every alcoholic drink there is out there. And he was like, you know, you're going to be an alcoholic by that time. Me thinking there was like a set menu of drinks that like, like there was this number of drinks that existed in the world and you could drink all of that in a year. So my dad says to me, um, Hey, uh, your mom's working. And by the way, side note, my mom worked nights at the time. And he's like, Hey, your mom's working. What if I buy a bottle of Patron and we have like a poker night here at home, me, you, the boys, my brothers, And I was like, yeah, that'll be so much fun. Um, So we do that. We have a poker night, super chill. I'm in PJs. We're drinking. I have my first shot with my dad and I think it's like the coolest thing and I feel all warm and fuzzy inside and I start to loosen up. And for the first time in what felt like a long time, I wasn't feeling sad and I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling my breakup. And I was like, this is so cool. I never want this feeling to end. Um, back then, I was tiny. I was itty bitty. And I should not have been drinking like that. But I was itty bitty and I had never had tequila before. So when I tell you that I blacked out, I blacked out. And the only thing that I could remember was I liked being drunk. And I don't know if it was, uh, if I, if that's what I was thinking at the time, I liked the feeling that I felt. I didn't know if it was buzzed. I didn't know if it was tipsy. I didn't know what it, what like measurement of drunkenness it was, but I knew I liked the feeling. I knew that I felt good. I knew that I felt happy. I knew that I felt warm. I knew that I felt like loose. Um, I felt good. And I knew 
that was a feeling that I wanted to feel again. So we fast forward to a friend's birthday. And at this point, I think I'm already dating my husband. We're going to a bar. It's basically all of his friends that I kind of just inherited because I started dating him and was now in the circle. Now, don't get me wrong. These are all people that are like some of my dearest friends today. But at the time, it just felt like I inherited his friends. So we go to this bar and I'm really freaking nervous because there's somebody there that or somebody supposed to go that I don't feel comfortable with and whatever the case is. And your girl starts drinking. She wants to feel good. She wants to feel comfortable. Um, and I, what I remember is I got so drunk and I started throwing up everywhere. I went to the restroom and I had like two girls holding my hair back and like cleaning me up. I came back to, I think, <laughs> I think they had brought like a cup of water for me to drink and I ended up just like vomiting in the cup of water. I vomited all over my husband. I don't know how he still married me, but I I did that. And then um, I got kicked out of the bar because I was way too drunk. A friend of mine took me home. Um, my husband was afraid to change me out of my outfit and into my pajamas because he didn't want my dad assuming that he changed me which obviously he he would have assumed correctly but he didn't want to he want he didn't want to do that and for my dad to be upset about it so he left me in my dirty ass clothes and when my dad saw me the next morning he knew he knew and he was not happy and my dad um never really said you're not allowed to do this for reasons that are not mine to tell, but he never really said you're not allowed, but he let you know that he didn't like something in his look, in the way he carried himself, in the way he walked around. You just knew he disapproved of something, but he didn't tell you you weren't allowed to do it. So I just thought to myself, I'm having fun. Dad, you're being too uptight. You forgot what it's like to be this age, blah, blah, blah. I felt like I had all the answers and... I honestly at that time didn't really care that my dad was mad. I just cared that I had a mean hangover. And you'd think I'd learned my lesson, right? But I did not. Um, because a few years later for my husband's birthday, uh, we went day drinking and the same thing. I just had, I wanted to have a good time. I was super stressed out with work and um, I, I was now at a place where I thought to myself, okay, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I'm thinking we've been together for a certain amount of time. Like he keeps talking about wanting to marry me. Is he not going to marry me? Like, is this a joke to him? And you start to think all the things, right? And I think I was four at the time, like 24, going to turn 25 or something like that. Like I was, I was young. But I just felt like, okay, I graduated college. I graduated college later than I expected. But I just kind of felt like that was the thing that was holding me back from that next stage of my life. 
Like I just wanted to finish school and I did. So I was like, why is he not proposing? Um, you know, as if like, I don't even think about he has his own life goals that he wants to accomplish before he does that. I was just caught up with all of that. Like it's time. Hello. And for his birthday, I just wanted to let loose. I wanted to enjoy. I wanted to not feel stressed. I just wanted to have a good time. So I drank jello shots, Patron shots, um, that I don't know if they have them anymore because apparently it's not good to serve these, but like those fish bowls where you just put the straw in them and who knows how much alcohol is in there and just anything I was drinking. And I got pretty tipsy pretty fast. And this was probably one of the first times where I thought, wow, you could have gotten hurt like pretty badly. And we were um, at the beach at like their little boardwalk where all the bars are. And we were getting ready to head back because I think we had to meet up my um, in-laws for dinner. And we were waiting on like this wall thing we were sitting. It was my husband, myself, and two of our friends. And these guys are walking by and like surfer dudes. So they're in their trunks and whatever, right? But one of them is smoking something. And I don't remember if it was a cigarette. I don't know. But I know he was smoking something. And as he walked by, I said, Oh, I want to try that. And he looked back and he's like, Oh, you do? And he like handed it over to me. And my husband looks back and he goes, No. Now, if you know my husband in real life, he is the most easygoing, go with the flow kind of guy. Um, he's not strict. I use the term loosely, but he's just not like one of those guys that's like, it's my way or no way. So for him to say no like that, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but it's just like, I look back on it now and I'm like, what the heck? Like, And then um, as we're waiting for our Uber, I decide I have to pee really bad. And without even really like telling anybody or without thinking, really, I just, I get up and I bolt across the street to this little like food place that's there. And I don't, I, I don't check both ways before I cross the street. I don't do anything like that. I just literally get up and bolt. And I could have easily been hit by a car. Um, I could have caused an accident because a car might've tried to avoid me. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't think about anything other than I have to pee. I get up and I book it. And I go into this restaurant like food place, go into the bathroom and I open a stall and there happens to be a lady in there who didn't lock the door. So debatable whose fault it was, but she didn't lock the door. I open the stall and she sits there and she's like surprised. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I need to pee. <laughs> and behind me, I didn't know that my friend took off running after me. And he's in the restroom with me and he kind of like grabs me to pull me back. And he looks at the lady and he's like, I'm sorry. And not even thinking that like that story has always been super funny to me and we tell it over and over. But I cut, I could have gotten in so much trouble for that. You would really think I learned my lesson and I didn't. We fast forward to um, 2019 and... I mentioned it in passing in another episode, but really quickly, um, in 2019, I had a miscarriage. 
my husband and I were trying to get pregnant. We got pregnant for the first time and we ended up miscarrying seven weeks later. And that really uh, was the first time where I started not really caring about the way that I drank. Um, Before it was always like, oh, but I'm just doing it in social settings and I'm having a good time and I'm more fun when I drink and I have more fun when I drink and I love to dance when I drink. But it, it was always just that. So I think it never, I never thought about it, the way that I drank and the, the way that I used alcohol. After my miscarriage, though, it was the first time that I started thinking, today was a hard day and I'm really mad. I'm going to drink. I used to get home from work and the first thing I would do was open a bottle of wine, pour myself a glass that was way more than I needed to be drinking and just drink it. Um and not care. And like, I started drinking alone, which I didn't normally do. And it was always under the, the guise of, it was a hard day. It was a long day. I started going out um, and drinking after work. I would start drinking while I was at work. <laughs> um, I, like I was just being really irresponsible at this time, but I didn't care. Like I was so angry about my situation and feeling like, why me? That I just didn't care. And then in 2020, I got pregnant and I stopped drinking, obviously, because I was pregnant. And it wasn't until after uh, Big Brother was born that I really started reevaluating the relationship that I had with alcohol. Um, And that's kind of where all of this stuff started. So I never really knew what to call it. I never felt like I was an alcoholic. I never identified as an alcoholic. I don't think that my drinking habits and my drinking patterns were that of an alcoholic or what I had known an alcoholic, um, like what alcoholic behaviors were like. Um, so I just never identified as that. I just thought I'm somebody who likes to have a good time. Whenever I do go out, I do get drunk, but that's normal, right? I'm young, whatever. And it wasn't until A few months back, I was watching YouTube and this podcast show on YouTube comes on and it's with an actress that I really like and she's talking about her journey with sobriety and she talks about how she's been one year sober and nobody knew. Nobody knew she was dealing with this and she talks about how she was a binge drinker and it was the first time that I thought, oh, I know I don't identify as an alcoholic. I know I don't have a problem with alcohol in that way, but I think I do binge drink. And it got me thinking. So I decided to ask Carlos what he thought the definition of binge drinking was. And he said, well, I think it's drinking too fast just to get drunk. And I started laughing when he said that because I said, that's what I thought it was too. And that's why I was like, well, no, I'm not a binge drinker. And you guys, according to the CDC, Binge drinking is the most common and costly pattern of excessive alcohol use in the United States. Uh, it means that men on on a single occasion will consume five or more drinks and women on a single occasion will consume four or more drinks. And this also means that pe- people who binge drink, they're not necessarily dependent on alcohol, but they have a higher risk of injury or disease and of alcohol use uh, disorder. And that slapped me in the face, let me tell you. When I read that, I was like, 
Oh, okay. I mean, according to this definition, yeah, I binge drink because I would drink four more drinks on a single occasion and it was usually at the club or at the bar. Half the time I had two drinks in my hand. Like, and that those are just drinks. Like, you're not even counting shots. So I thought, okay, okay, like, okay. So let's kind of explore this, right? Um, and what really like stood out to me was when I read that people who binge drink are not dependent on alcohol per se, but they are at a higher risk of injury or disease. And I thought, okay, when, 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 when I bought my first car, when I had my first job after college and I was making good money for the age and living at home and all things, I bought a car and I bought my car in March in April, April or May, I crushed it. <laughs> I had gone out after work. I had had a few drinks. I was driving home. Now, what I do know is that, I, okay, I was going to say I wasn't drunk. I don't think that I was drunk. I think I was so tired that the alcohol made me sleepy and I fell asleep at the wheel because that's what happened. I fell asleep at the wheel. Um, and I started swerving because I was asleep. Um, and I was on the freeway. I was driving home. I had basically made it home. I was like on my exit and then it was just street driving all the way home. I was probably like five minutes from home, you guys. And I start dozing off and I wake up to this big boom. And what I see, what I think is fire next to me. It was not fire, but I, I thought I had seen like a, an explosion. And I'm like, what happened? Oh my God. And what ended up happening was that because I fell asleep and I started swerving my front tire on the driver's side kissed the back tire of a big rig and we kind of just like I think I got close enough to where the big rig was able to just like I bounced off of it and literally nothing happened to me thank god nothing happened to the big rig I don't even think the big rig noticed because it kept driving um literally all that happened was my rear view my rear view mirror went flying off which is probably like the the I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but like the explosion that I heard, but it, it, my rear view mirror went flying off and I thought, okay, whatever. I'll just buy a rear, rear view mirror. No, it wasn't my rear view, my side view, sorry, my side view mirror. And I just thought, okay, whatever. I'll buy a, a side view mirror. My husband can install it. It'll be fine. I get home. When I tell you that thing woke me up, it woke me up. I got home. I like turned the volume down on the radio. I drove super, super carefully. I got home. I ran inside. I went to bed. I was really scared. Um, and then the next morning I saw that my car actually had more damage to it. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to explain this to my dad? And I wasn't about to tell my dad that I fell asleep at the wheel because I was out and had a few drinks and I was tired and I should have just been home. I shouldn't have gone out for drinks. Um, so I lied <laughs> and I told him that some big rig was like merging lanes, didn't see me. I had to move out of the way, but I was in the inside lane that I scared. I made up this elaborate lie that made no sense. And my dad knew. He's like, that's not what happened. 
And I couldn't understand why he was so mad about it. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll pay for the car. Like, it's my car. Like, I didn't, I, I was just like, why does, why is he so mad? Like, I'm fine. And he had said to me something that I think always stuck with me after that. And it was like, what if, what if when you hit your car would have like, like it would have like made your car shake or spin or whatever. And you end up under the big rig. It scared the crap out of me. The realization that I was like, oh my God, that could have been a lot worse. But let me tell you, it didn't scare me enough to stop drinking because I kept drinking. It was just this like, as I was reading the facts, I was like, oh, you are at a higher risk because you start making decisions that you wouldn't normally make if you were all there kind of thing, you know? And the thing is that binge drinking is the most common among young adults between the ages of 18 and 34. Well, let's dissect that a little bit. Why? Because you're young. You're just learning how to drink. It's when everybody's going out and when they're having a good time and when you think you're fine and you're not thinking that it's anything wrong. I didn't think it was anything wrong. The way that I was consuming alcohol, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I actually 100% thought this is normal and I'm responsible because I'm going to work the next day, even though I'm hungover as fuck. Like I really thought I'm being responsible and I didn't know that the behavior in itself was the concerning thing. And then I was like, well, okay, so my binges would be when I would go out and it would make sense because it'd be like, I'm more fun. And the reality was, you guys, I wasn't more fun. I was probably more annoying. I was probably more emotional. I was probably just a pain in the butt, but I wasn't, I don't think I was more fun. I guess I just realized that I became dependent on it to feel confident. Like I needed alcohol for confidence and that wasn't a good thing. And I don't think I would have ever learned the lesson had it not been for my son and for getting pregnant because I spent nine months having a blast without drinking alcohol. And then after my son was born, I would drink from time to time, but never in the same way. I can very proudly say that the last time that I was truly like embarrassingly drunk was before I got pregnant with big brother. So it's been a hot minute. And not to say that there's anything wrong with being drunk, with drinking a little bit too much, having a good time and getting drunk. But I think the way that I was doing it was not healthy. And I think I recognize that. And that's why I say it's my personal journey. And I'm not saying that everybody falls under this category. If you go out and you drink and you get a little tipsy, I'm just saying that the way that I was using alcohol made me, I really had to take a step back and be like, there's a, there's something else underneath. It's not just all fun and games, you know? What really made me change my relationship with alcohol? Well, let me tell you. Um, when Big Brother was born, he was probably a few months old and I had had wine or something. I don't know. It was the first time. I, like I, I was easing back into alcohol and like having a drink here and there. And I was exhausted, you guys. I was so tired. And I ended up, I, I had... Honestly, I can't even tell you what it was. Wine, maybe. It was either wine or like a white claw. But I fell asleep. Whatever. Like I went to bed and I didn't hear the baby cry all night. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> did the baby sleep through the night? 
And it wasn't until my husband was like, hey, you didn't hear him cry at all. Like you didn't wake up at all. And it was just an ugly feeling. Now, obviously, my child was taken care of because my husband was was home. But then the thought popped into my head of like, what if he wasn't home? What if he would have gone back to work? What if I was the only parent home and I didn't hear him? And like, you guys, that happens. Like that really happens to people. And it just, it scared me so bad that I said, "Mm -mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm." and I think I ended up, I I implemented like a only one glass of wine on a Friday night because I know that my husband will be here. Then there would be days where I'd be so tired that I'm like, I can't even do the glass of wine. And then I got pregnant with little brother and kind of the process started all over again. And then I think that having my kids so close together, it actually put me in a position where I like thought about it even more. Um, And I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to kind of change my life and my relationship with alcohol, like for good. So what's next for me? I don't know. Um, Sobriety, maybe. I don't know. I don't like... I don't like the term sobriety and sober. I I think it has such an intense, intense connotation. Like if you were, okay, like if you go out and somebody offers you a drink and you say, oh, no, thank you. I don't drink. Okay, cool. Or if you go, no, thank you. I'm sober. Like it's, it sounds a little bit like crazy, right? So sobriety is kind of a really intense thing that um, scares me scares me because I feel like it alludes to like a more serious problem that I really truly feel like I don't have. Like I don't have that problem, you know, but I don't drink as often as I did before. I am definitely able to say no in social settings. Um, Just you know, like I, I, I don't feel this pressure to be like, yeah, okay. Oh, shots, shots, shots. Yeah not against it. I could totally be around it. And I, and I am able to have a glass of wine at dinner or to drink socially with my friends, but it's no longer three or four drinks that I'm doing. It's one, maybe if I finish it, because a lot of the times my kids are with me. And a lot of the times, if you're a parent and your kids are with you, tell me your secret to finishing a drink before it gets warm, because I haven't figured it out yet. And that's another thing too, like you're just in a phase of life where like if I was drinking the way I was in my 20s, now that I have my two kids, I think I'd be doing something wrong. (laughs) Like I wouldn't be able to function the way that I do or the way that my kids need me to. Um, So I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know the whole thing with like, committing to sobriety. But I do think that I have cut back significantly, significantly. And that is something that I'm very proud of. Because again, if you knew me in my 20s, and if you saw some of those drunken, if you experienced some of those drunken nights with me, I've come a long way, you guys. Um, I've learned that alcohol didn't make me more fun. I've learned that I could say no to it. And I really, I stopped relying on the effects of alcohol to like take the edge off. Um, I've learned different tools and like different coping mechanisms for when I'm feeling sad or when I'm feeling angry or when I'm feeling hurt. Uh, And that's really 
that has made the world of a difference for me. I'm so unbelievably nervous for you guys to hear this story. I feel like I've just let you guys into one of the most vulnerable parts of myself that is a little bit scary. Ooh, I just got chills. Um, but I do, um, it took me hearing somebody else's story to be like, oh, okay, let me kind of self-reflect. And this is what I came up with for myself. So I'm not saying that everybody is on the same journey or that everybody deals with the same issues and problems, but I do think that everybody is on a journey and sometimes self-reflecting and really kind of analyzing how you're doing and how you're feeling. I think that's really hard. And I think I'm just barely learning how to do it. And therapy has helped me a ton with that and being okay with how I feel about myself and sometimes not in the best ways. I do feel like um, therapy has given me that safe space and I'm not claiming that I'm a therapist or that this is anything like it, but I do hope that this conversation has just kind of created a safe space for self-reflection for you guys and that if there is anything that's weighing heavy on your mind, that this kind of just acts as um, maybe as like a guide or, or something to to walk you guys through um, some of your some of your troubles to close out. I am not going to talk about self-care and what's one thing you can do for self-care, but I do want to talk about something that you can do if you are kind of feeling in this, um, if you're in this headspace of, I think this could be something, but I'm not really sure. And I don't know what to like name it and things like that. So I think first and foremost, if there is something that's weighing heavy on your mind, I think you need to address what the issue is. And you may not necessarily know for sure what it is, but I think addressing that there is an issue and address that something isn't sitting right with you is first and foremost. Um, and that will eventually lead to you naming the issue, which I think is also very important. Um, because once you're able to address that there is an issue and you're able to name the issue, you can go ahead and change the behavior, which was something that I went ahead and did after my pregnancies. One thing that I realized that I want to uh, close out with is that for me, the biggest thing was kind of analyzing when I was going to have a drink. Am I drinking because I'm trying to numb a certain feeling or am I drinking because I'm not doing that? And more often than not, it ends up being I had a hard day. Uh, I'm really frustrated. Uh, I'm mad or things like that. And I end up just not doing it, not not drinking, and that's fine. And it's just that has significantly just <laughs> decreased the amount of alcohol that I consume. And to go hand in hand with that, something that I use that has re resonated with me, and I wanted to leave this with you all today as our wisdom nugget is a quote that I found that I absolutely love. And it's uh, hit the bottom and get back up, hit the bottle and stay down. And I think that that's just applicable um, with any sort of uh, crutch, I guess, that you use. Um, so whew, this one was a little bit intense and it felt a little bit more serious and a little bit more heavy. But like I said, I just wanted to bring things that 
had a little bit more value, especially this month, you guys. Um, take care of yourselves. Take care of your minds. Take care of your bodies. If something doesn't feel right, talk about it. There's wonders in just talking about how you're feeling. The best thing that I ever did was starting to talk about my feelings and not bottling up so much inside because what you'll find is that somebody can understand what you're going through and somebody can offer advice that maybe you weren't finding on your own. So ah, thank you guys so much. Um, I hope you guys have a beautiful week and I will talk to you next time. Bye.